Welcome to On the Edge with Sick, the podcast where we explore individuals and organizations on the edge of social innovation through a design lens. We're your hosts, Nita and Sylvia, co-founders of Sick. Hi, and welcome to our guest. Teresa Isabel Diaz is a friend, an ex-colleague, and a pharmacist with over 25 years of experience in healthcare. In her 40s, Teresa realized that she was in perimenopause, and she made it her mission to help others navigate the menopause transition. She became certified as a menopause practitioner from the North American Menopause Society. She launched her own business called Menopause Ed, which offers one-on-one consultations and corporate educational lunch and learn sessions with the ultimate goal of shifting societal perspectives around menopause. Welcome, welcome, Teresa. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm well. Nice to hear from you again, Nita. Thank you for the invitation. You are most welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, We're going to start with a question for you. What does on the edge mean to you? Uh, That makes me think of a question of actually a comment. One of my customers made in a pharmacy many years ago, he told me, lady, if you're on the edge, you're taking too much space. And I never forgot that. I thought it was cute. Um, Thinking about it in terms of uh, business, of being an entrepreneur, of trying to change societal perspectives, I think that if you take too much space, you're sitting comfortably or laying down or just there. And if I see myself on on the edge, I see myself on my tippy toes, ready to take a leap into another state of things to change the status quo of menopause in this case. That is a great take on being on the edge. And speaking of being on your tippy toes and maybe jumping into something new, uh, you actually jumped into, uh, jumped from pharmacy to educating women on how to navigate pre-menopause and menopause. What is your definition of menopause? So menopause is the end of ovarian function. Women stop having uh, ovulation. um, They stop having periods. And they also stop being fertile. And that's on average at the age of 51 in North America. But it doesn't happen in one day. The ovaries don't decide one day that they're going to shut down. Menopause can happen anytime between 45 and 55. And it is a journey. And menopause is defined as 12 months without a period. But as I said, it doesn't happen at the switch of a button. Years before menopause, many people start uh, feeling changes. Those years leading up to menopause are called perimenopause. And they can last three to 10 years or even more in some women. And they can la- they can start in women's late 30s or early 40s. And so that's perimenopause, then it's menopause when you stop having your periods. That's the normal 
um, in quotes, that's the uh, natural way. But for 1% of the population, menopause happens before the age of 40. And 1% in North America alone will be millions of women who are going to be um, in menopause before age 40. So most of them are unprepared for this. And then there are those who will go through induced menopause. So examples are um, if you have your ovaries removed before the natural age of menopause, you uh, stop ovulating because you don't have ovaries, or you may get treatment for certain cancers like breast cancer, and these treatments damage the ovarian function, so the ovaries stop working because of treatments, or they they stop working because of prophylactic treatments, drugs that women take to prevent recurrence of breast cancer. And if this happens at an uh, earlier age, um, it is uh, more sudden because women don't tend to go through um, years and years of perimenopause. And for most, it's even more, the symptoms are more severe, more bothersome. And the consequences of living with uh, estrogen at an earlier age, so many more years of no estrogen in your system, also increase the risk of um, medical conditions like dementia and osteoporosis and for some cardiovascular disease. Wow, that's a lot of information. Thank you for that. I can totally relate because I started experiencing perimenopausal symptoms in my late 30s. So that means uh, I still have a few years to go before I get to actual menopause. And I think you yourself also started experiencing perimenopausal symptoms and that eventually spurred you to create Menopause Ed. Teresa, can you share your origin story? <laughs> it all usually starts with a personal story, doesn't it? So yeah. I was asked by my older son if I was bipolar because <laughs> my mood swings were so extreme that uh, my boys and my ex-husband were um, walking on eggshells around me because they never knew if I was going to be Extremely positive or very negative, up and down, I, I went. So um, I decided to research because um, I was interested in knowing more about it. And then I realized that there was not a whole lot of information, but I got lucky to um, find the North American Menopause Society. They have a lot of good information for healthcare professionals and for women and they offered the certification as a menopause practitioner. So I learned for myself, and then I decided to become certified so I could help others. That's great. Yeah, I'm familiar with NAMS, or the North American Menopause Society. Um, just through my work as a pharmacist, I often get questions related to menopause, and that's definitely a go-to resource. In terms of your business, um, how is it going? Like, what do you think is the biggest challenge that's facing you at this point? So when I do one-on-one consultations, my services are non-insurance health benefits, which means that um, 
they're not covered by the Ontario Health Insurance Plan. So when you go to the doctor in Ontario and you have a OHIP card, you don't pay for a doctor's visit. You don't pay for um, other uh, visits. And the um, my services are not covered by OHIP, so women have to pay me and get reimbursed by their um, insurance. Mm-hmm. People are just used to going to the pharmacist and getting advice for free, but that's not always great in terms of the culture for that pharmacist to try to get into more innovative work. Absolutely. And hopefully maybe the starting point would be with Teresa to overcome that challenge. Um, so Teresa, what is a key opportunity you see for design thinking in your work? So, as you mentioned, I do uh, lunch and learns in a workplace to raise awareness and to provide information to women at work. And I also do uh, training of managers. So once these women know what they're going through, they can have someone to talk to within the the corporation that can help them um, navigate the menopause and and have better outcomes. And one of the things that is very helpful after these conversations is to also have a place where people who are going through menopause can come together and share and learn from each other and feel safe doing so. And so if there could be an intra and in organization uh, online or in person, place, space where there could be intergenerational sharing or uh, experience sharing and learning, uh, that would be, that to me, that's a key opportunity that is very easy to implement. And that would be very, very helpful because women want to know that others are going through it. Most of them feel that they are alone. They are the only one going through these changes. And once they find out that they are not, and there are others like them experiencing their own individual menopause, because each one goes through their own thing, uh, but with many um, common, in common um, experiences, they they feel um they feel less alone and they feel less isolated. Yeah, absolutely. And starting at a community level is a good start in order to um, begin this conversation. Um, Menopause is becoming more of an emerging trend. It's getting more media coverage nowadays. And we wanted to know, what do you think about menopause having more media attention these days? About time. Um, the UK has been talking about menopause for at least seven years. Um, wow. And Canada is so far behind. But when I started this business and I would get put, set up Google alerts for menopause, I would get one every two weeks or so. Now I have to stop because there's tons and tons of alerts every day. So that's a good sign. It's being talked about. Now we have to pick it up and run with it because um, the menopause conversation is still taboo. There's still a lot of stigma and shame attached to it. And um, that's not good because um, millions of women 
worldwide are going through menopause and if they don't have the resources, the education, the awareness they need, they are going to be fearful and be um, worried about their health. And in terms of um, employment, uh, they are going to quit their jobs, demote themselves, and we need women in the workplace. We need women to increase our GDP, and women deserve to work for as long as they decide to. So talking about menopause, opening up the conversation, making it media um media positive, making it uh, available on media, listening to different people from different places, different um different backgrounds, talking about menopause validates it and women feel more empowered to talk about their own experience because up till now there's so much secrecy and so much silence that women don't feel comfortable bringing it up even when they know this is something they're experiencing. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually watched that CBC video that you had posted in your newsletter the other day, and I thought, oh, it's so interesting that the arts are getting involved in this because they profiled a woman that does stand up related to her menopause symptoms. And I thought, oh, that's so cool, you know, turning these symptoms into something like comedic that we can relate to, but at the same time that might also perpetuate a menopause myth that it's all about hot flashes. And please, please, can you bust some of these myths for us today? (laughs) So, yeah, so most people seem to know because media portrays women always hot and frazzled and looking Mm -hmm. crazy, uh, having hot flashes and fanning themselves and whatnot. So, that image also has to change because menopause is not all negative, as we'll talk about it later. But um, hot flashes are commonly in the radar of people if menopause is in the radar. But then there are several experiences um, that are not in the radar and are not usually associated to the hormonal changes that women go through. And many of these symptoms include insomnia and fatigue, which Mm -hmm. were some of the top symptoms reported at work in a survey done in the UK. There's changes in metabolism and fat distribution, so body shape changes, even if women don't put on weight. There's a lot of body aches and pains um, that mm-hmm. some women incapacitate some women. They they have so much pain they cannot work. Uh, women sometimes think they're having a heart attack when they have palpitations before they get hot flashes or with the hot flashes. Dry, itchy, crawling skin is a very common symptom that very few people talk about in relation mm-hmm. to menopause. And then even more taboo than menopause, if that was possible, (laughs) is the fact that sexual function is changed. Vaginal dryness, pain with sex, reduced sex drive is um, also happens uh, to many in perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause. And then there's also urinary problems, Uh, leakage and urinary tract infections, um, are also uh, 
possible and affect many women due to decreased estrogen. And these are the physical changes. And then there are the cognitive and mood changes in menopause. As I said, my mood swings were extreme. Um, mm-hmm. Rain fog, which is a umbrella uh, term to uh, describe decreased memory and trouble concentrating uh, is also common. Um, irritability, anger, Many women get angry and very snappy and they don't recognize themselves because they used to be very calm and, and, um, docile and all of a sudden they're full of, uh, anger and frustration. There's sadness. There's tearfulness. A lot of us start crying at the drop of a hat and we don't even know why we're crying. Mm-hmm. And then there's anxiety and worry. Um, I developed anxiety when I was riding in a car in the passenger seat to the point that I could not look at the road because I would go almost um, into a panic attack. So uh, for years, I had to look down and read a book or sit <laughs> in the back seat so I wouldn't be able to see the road. Oh, wow. Um, it took me years to find other women um, with this experience, and I did find because I start talking about it and women says, Oh yeah, that happened to me too. And it's interesting because I could drive calmly, but I could not sit beside someone else driving. And I know someone who stopped driving over a bridge that was commonly crossed every week. And one day she just could not get a car over the bridge. She called the police and the police said to drive her over. And she went to the doctor and eventually got uh, menopause hormone therapy, which helped with that anxiety and a whole other um, problems that she was feeling. And also mm. many of us who after this stage, uh, at the prime of our lives, we have been confident and, mm-hmm. and, and trusting our judgment and our cap- capabilities. We start feeling, uh, self-doubt and low self-esteem. And that is hard for many women. And it's, rarely connected to hormonal changes. That's great that you mentioned all of these symptoms because obviously I'm recognizing some of these and I'm wondering, okay, that time that I got really angry being in the passenger seat of a car when my partner was driving and we were on a trip, hmm, I wonder if that's related to the perimenopause situation going on. Not sorry, Nita. This is not an invitation to just blame every experience you have on perimenopause. So I always tell women that they must keep up the annual checkups, do the blood tests, test for diseases that have similar symptoms, rule out any possible medical condition, and just uh, not miss the doctor's appointments. And Good, good disclaimer there. Disclaimer. You need to take care of yourself and you need to see the doctor and you need to check. And you need to be aware. You need to, you know your body better than anyone else. If something seems off, find out why. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned hormonal therapy. Uh, What's your take on that? So hormone therapy uh, is a bad rep because Mm -hmm. of the... A, a trial, the WHI trial, woman, women's health initiative that is already 20 something years old who put in the same trial, women at 50, women all the way to 75. The trial was trying to figure out if menopause was 
good and if hormone therapy was good to prevent disease. Um, all the women who haven't had any uh, estrogen for maybe 20 years and were given estrogen didn't react very proper, very well. So some of them got uh, strokes. And we also know that birth control increases stroke risk. So when the WHI trial was in, um, re-evaluated and women between the ages of 50 and 60, which is the age that we usually need hormone therapy to minimize symptoms, when this cohort of women was analyzed for healthy women, so women with no medical conditions that would preclude them from getting hormone therapy, for healthy women under the age of 60 or within 10 years of the last menstrual period, Hormone, the benefits of hormone therapy outweigh the risks. Mm-hmm. So there's the medical community is now well versed in menopause because um, schools, uh, medic, medicine schools don't teach menopause properly. Um, everybody remembers the bad news. Nobody remembers the new good news. Everybody goes on Google and the news are 20 years old, but we don't know that there's more newer evidence and so a lot of women and providers are scared of menopause and they shouldn't because one of the things I do and love to do is explain what menopause hormone therapy is, what it does, what's benefits and the risks and that is to be done individually because each of us has our own health and our own health history and our own Lifestyle, So it has to be individual approach. But I always tell women, do not discount hormone therapy from your toolbox because it still is, to this day, the best um, therapy for moderate to severe symptoms of menopause like hot flashes and night sweats. Right. That makes sense. And speaking of your toolbox, are there any lifestyle changes that you would recommend? Yes, as a pharmacist, maybe because despite being, because I'm a pharmacist, I hate drugs when I don't need Mm -hmm. them. Same. I am very, I've been always proactive in my um, profession. I prefer to prevent than to treat. And so we need to start with the pillars of good health. And I have a um, a download that is called Please Yourself Tips for an Easy Menopause that uh, talks about um, what I think is very helpful at this stage. The P is for positive with a P-A-U-S-E. Be positive. Have a positive mindset about menopause. It's part of the uh, reframing menopause. It is a time of life where you may... Just stop and think about who you want to go, who you want to be a few, 10 years, 40 years from now and take stock and engage in all these positive things for your health, for your, uh, for your health. Uh, the L is for less, but probably is even better for, um, less stress, but probably better way to say it is better management of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, exercise regularly. The A is awareness. As I, as I said, we know our bodies better than anybody else. This is changing. I'm feeling this. I didn't last night. I didn't last month, last year. 
connect the dots. It's a holistic approach to a body. It's like menopause is not a broken leg that we put a cap on and six months, six weeks down the road, we can walk on again. It's a journey and it is a whole body experience because there's estrogen receptors in every cell of a woman's body. So a lot of change is happening and we need to be aware of it. We need to be positive about it. We need to prioritize our sleep. And the last E is for eating nutritiously. That's awesome. I love how you brought in clever communication design and your focus on being positive. Pause, P-A-U-S-E. I love that. So clever. We're just going to pivot back to menopause in the workplace. Teresa, what are your thoughts on menopause in the workplace, such as workplace policies around menopause, how it can be normalized in the workplace? So menopause in the workplace seems to be the last health taboo. Um, I'm speaking about Canada because that's where I live. That's my experience now. Uh, we have one year of maternity and paternity leave in Canada. But years ago, women were fired when they were discovered to be pregnant. Some of them were fired when they got married because their bosses knew or thought they would get pregnant once they got married, and so they didn't want to have pregnant women in the workplace. So our sisters before us worked very hard at normalizing pregnancy in the workplace. Now we go on 12 months of maternity leave and nobody even thinks, how did we get these benefits? We are also destigmatizing mental health and we need to do the same for menopause because it's not a disease, but it affects um, many women. It affects half of the workplace population. And with support, with education, women can have a much better time through this journey and contribute to society, work in their own terms, and just um, enjoy the quality of life and quality of work as they deserve. So I think there's got to be a, a movement. This is what I'm doing. I'm trying to change the status quo and raise awareness in the workplace about menopause, providing education so we can um, stop the secrecy, stop the silence, prevent women from feeling marginalized or from feeling that they're being um, um, discriminated against if they say something. Um, I'm not sure we need a policy because a policy is a very uh, strict rule at work, I find. And as I said, menopause is a very individualized thing. So I believe in a workplace, each woman should be able to freely and safely speak about what they're going through and ask for support, for um, changes that are reasonable um, but we, I don't think we should, um, make a, a blanket statement about this is what menopause is going to be like, and this is what we're going to do at work. 
Now we should have awareness. We should have managers with information, educators, so they can in turn support the women because um, the employees win, the employer wins, and there are studies that show that um, women with unsupported symptoms spend a lot more money on healthcare insurance. They take a lot more sick days. And there's also evidence that shows that women who feel supported in a workplace um, do do much better. They feel um, they feel uh, validated. They feel um, they feel like they are being listened to and they can contribute uh, as they want, as they as they should and as they uh, as they can. Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm not on the same level as Nita. I'm not approaching menopause anytime soon, but I, I find that there is some stigma and fear around it with the lack of education within the workplace. So I think what you're doing, Teresa, is great providing that education so we can get rid of that stigma and we can have managers more on board and companies more on board with uh, menopause, understanding menopause. So, Teresa, what's one key takeaway that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Hmm. Well, because I see the world through the menopause lenses, <laughs> I I want to normalize menopause. Um, I want it to be just any other, um, any other physiological thing we women go through i want it to be reframed i want the narrative to change from being uh, menopause being um an old lady's disease the end of life the end of a woman's vitality the end of um being sexy and strong um because those are all myths um uh, women go through menopause in the prime of their life. So normalizing menopause, reframing it, and having uh, conversations about it, um, I think is my key takeaway. Great. So if our listeners want to connect with you in any way, how can they connect with you? So they can uh, check me, uh, they check can check my website, menopause.ed. Org. So it's menopause with a D at the end. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Teresa Isabel Diaz, and um, connect with me, ask questions, share um, your stories. Um, I'm here. I'm here, and I love to. I love people, and I, as I said, let's all together normalize and reframe menopause. Thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you for joining us today. I think this podcast is a way to start conversations around normalizing menopause. And we will have our listeners connect with you. We'll have all of that information on our show notes. Thank you for bringing this topic uh, up, sharing um, light on it, and uh, for inviting me to speak about it. Thank you for listening to On The Edge with your hosts, Nita and Sylvia. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or drop a comment and rating. 
Head over to sickhealth.ca to learn more about sick and check out all the links and resources in the episode show notes. Thanks and stay tuned for future podcast episodes with On the Edge with Sick.